0: You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast, featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to this edition of the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm today's host, Captain John Sorello. Today, we're coming to you from the quarters of FDNY's Rescue, Company One, which happens to be my current assigned company. We have a special guest with us today, a former member of the company and a very good friend retired FDNY Lieutenant, Kevin Shea. Kevin's career has brought him through some of the busiest companies. While a member of Rescue One, he responded to two of the most well-known operations in the FDNY history. The Times Square Roof Rope Rescue in May of 1991, where he was lowered from the roof of a 12-story building to save a trapped victim who was on the floor below. And the World Trade Center bombing in February of 93, in which he was seriously injured while rescuing trapped victims. Welcome, Kevin. It's great to see you.
1: Uh, thanks for having me, Cap. I appreciate it.
0: Before we get into the details of your career, how long has it been since you've been in these quarters?
1: Uh, I haven't been back here since 9 11. My uh, goodness. Yeah. Wow. It brings back a lot of memories. Yeah. You know, a lot of uh, really special guys I worked with and a lot of guys I miss very much.
0: When you see a lot of our walls here are covered with a lot of 8 by 10 pitchers, you know, through the years, I'm sure you see a lot of familiar faces.
1: Oh, yeah. A lot of familiar faces. And actually, I'm happy to see that a lot of the pictures that we here when I was here are down and there's newer pictures up.
0: It's a nice mix. 100%. We do try to cycle through and keep things, you know, somewhat current, but always looking back to remember where we came from. But also, you're right, like the members who are current now, they're going to be the legacy yes. at some point in the future. So it's yes. a great point. If, if you don't mind... Uh, Can we have a brief bio of your career, like where you were prior to coming to Rescue One?
1: I worked in 227 Engine, uh, 108 Truck, and then Rescue One.
0: And when did you come on the job?
1: I came on in July of 84. Initially assigned out of probate school to 239 Engine. Transferred from 239 to 227 while still on probation that January. January of 85, I got to 227. Stayed there until I think it was October of 86. And then I went to 108, and I stayed there until uh, early summer of 90. And that's when I got to rescue one.
0: Myself being from, uh, assigned in Brooklyn in early in my career, I, I know 227 is a prime spot and a tremendous amount of fire duty.
1: Oh, it was the best. Captain Higgins, really an impression that was made on me through the rest of my life, uh, what a captain should be. Treated us fantastic. It was like discipline and compassion at the same time. Uh, captain Higgins was a home run.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. As a modest man, I know you are. I'd just like to talk about your uh, roof rope rescue in May of 1991. You know, nowadays, everyone has a, a cell phone and, and everything gets videoed. Uh, we have people that follow rigs now around Manhattan video. But back then, it didn't happen a whole lot. No. However, in this situation, because of where it was, and the gentleman was filming everything in close proximity, the world, never mind all the thousands of people that were on the streets looking up at this event, that film alone really captured so well the actual event, which then, you know, that catapults it into everyone's mindset. So what can you tell me about what went down?
1: That roof rope rescue, on one hand, it was really a Proby School evolution because it was just, you know, the rope and what we always practice. But some things were not going like we would have thought. I had never met Patty Barr, before I met Patty Barr, I was packing the roof rope on the kitchen floor right here, which we always did on I think Tuesdays was our rope day back then. We went around the rig and uh, we carried two ropes where the rest of the company's trucks still do back in the day carried one. Mm-hmm. So I could just dump the rope on the floor and repack it. And if we get a run, I still have another roof rope. We went out the door for something else and we got the job with the roof rope as we were responding back to quarters after the first call. We're getting there before the second alarm companies, but after the first alarm. So the chief just pointed up and said, go get that guy. was basically it. I had to stop for a minute and look up and just see a guy was standing in the window. Smoke all around him. We hit the stairs. We had the big old uh, hour bottles on for high-rise fire, so it was heavy. It was a hot day. It was May, but it was already hot. It was 12 stories, but the building's like a mill construction or what have you. So it wasn't 10-foot ceilings. It was higher. It was like going up a 14, 15-story building. So you get to the top of the stairs and you're shot. Then we had an outward opening commercial door. We had a force. Uh, it was myself and Kevin Dowdell. Then the three Patricks, Patty Barr, Patty O'Keefe, and Patty Brown. We all ran up together, but we stopped to work on the door, and the other three guys went up to the roof because was a top-floor job. It was a lot of banging. Kevin had the iron, I had the axe. And uh, between the, running up the stairs and forcing that door, you're ready for a break. And just as we're forcing the door, Lieutenant Brown Patty Brown gave a call for urgent manpower on the roof door's just opening up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to the roof. And Kevin Adele said, I'm going to get the guy from, from here, from inside. So I just took off right for the roof for the urgent call and uh, walked right into the middle of a roof rope rescue.
0: You basically are doing what we still use as our edict here is a two-prong approach. So you had Kevin Dowdell going yeah. from one angle, and yeah. yet you're doing what needs to be done from another angle, obviously the roof and, and getting the rope ready. Uh,
1: so. Kevin's a great guy. Yeah. You know, He passed away also, but yeah. if Kevin couldn't get him, I can't get him. So Kevin went that way. I went to the roof, and uh, that's why I uh, have all that video. You'll see me, like, stop look real quick and start taking uh, my coat, my helmet, everything off. I was overheated, ready for a break, and you stumble into the middle
0: of that. No time for a break. So now you're on the roof, and the first person getting lowered is who? Patty Barr. And you're lowering him? Yes. We all know there was no substantial object. No. I think that falls into the category of adapt and overcome. Yes. What can you tell us about that?
1: Patty Barr especially showed a lot of courage. There's pictures of Patty Barr hanging over the parapet wall, on, you know, his arms out and his, his elbows on the parapet wall, dangling his legs and it's giving the guy confidence not to jump. The other end, the rope's not tied to anything yet. And they knew it. Incredible. Yeah. And Patty Brown, who I had complete faith in, was directing everything because I couldn't see it, you know? Yeah. So on the one hand, you could say, well you know, how much leadership's necessary because everybody knows what to do, but that's not always the case. And when you get in a situation like that, you need information I can't see. And when you have somebody like Patty Brown, so solid, and Patty Barr, I found out how solid he was, you only have to do your part, and the rest, everybody's doing their piece of the, of the puzzle, and it worked out real well. I couldn't see how close that guy was to jumping, but there he was, standing in the window, I thought he was going to go before we got him. Then I sit down on the roof, and I can't see what's going on. I can't hear it anymore, and uh, it went real well. That was um, Patty Barr and Patty Brown.
0: You know you're not tied off. Did you come up off the the roof at all?
1: A little bit. I just sat down on the the roof, put my feet up against the parapet wall. I was concerned if I couldn't hold it because it was no substantial object, which of all we drilled with, because it was like a penthouse there, but the penthouse had a masonry wall. And the alleyway between the two was, although it was a penthouse, it was more like another story, you know, with just a a walkway around it. And um, there was nothing to tie off to. There was a small air conditioning unit that had been added, you know, later on, a tiny one just for, I guess, one room. So I ran over that. I kicked it. Most of it fell over. So I ignored it and then uh, just tied the rope the other end around my legs, like wrapped it a few times, like a hitch around me. So... If I couldn't hold whatever, I could still grab with my arms and hold something. And then uh, Patty O'Keefe was holding me down by the shoulders. I think it was Bruce Newberry came and kind of laid across my lap. Because if you see the video, you see when Jose Gallegos jumps and Patty Barr catches him, the rope goes down, drops. But that rope's not dynamic, that's a static rope. So when they drop, that's me on the other end going up. But uh, you know, took my butt off the roof, but not terrible. Like you're nervous until it starts to work. Then once it's working it's like, Yeah, this is good. <laughs> Keep going <laughs>
0: Amazing. Amazing. So Patty Bohr now has the victim and and if you notice kinda of the way he's wrapping the victim, it's still not if I'm the officer, I'd be a little nervous about that. Yes. But he's such a strong guy, he's able to hold on, and there, and then you're able to lower. Did you have to lower quickly? Well, time was of the essence, but did you sense that, or did you just do a nice methodical lower? And then is Patty Brown directing him?
1: Brown was directing, yeah. I couldn't hear. But once after that initial jolt, and then more guys came and were holding me down, uh, how much they had to hold me, I don't know. I'm glad they did. But I think I was anchored pretty well by that point. And then it was smooth, and then we just lowered him in, and... Uh, Patty Barr is a much stronger guy than me. The way he was able to hold Jose with his legs and his arms like that, and then with one arm as he's punching out the window to get attention. You know, I'm not as strong
0: as Patty. So he'd Incredible. like to say
1: everything's going to work, but it was just kind of luck in a draw.
0: They get the first rescue into the top floor. Now what happens? I thought we were done.
1: And then they started yelling, I guess, over the radio. We have another guy on the other side of the building <laughs> yelling to Patty Barr. He didn't know. He's waving to the construction workers. At cheer. It was hilarious. We're right. yep, like, yep, sort of yep. like, get out of the rope. You know, yeah. he didn't know, right. which he wouldn't. Susie climbed out of the rope, pulled it up, and I just clipped it onto my harness, and I went over the other side.
0: Incredible. And again, in the perfect world, we don't reuse a rope. No. You had no choice. No, no right. choice. Adapt no. and overcome. Yeah. There's a life at stake.
1: There's a lot of safety numbers. Rope has that 15 to 1 yep. safety. and. Mm-hmm. Most of the other things we do don't have as high a safety buffer, if you will. So I had no problem using that rope again, you know.
0: So now who lowers you? Uh, Ray McCormick. Ray McCormick, good friend of mine as well. Yeah. He's in 24 truck at the time? Yes. Does he have a harness?
1: So the reason I lowered Patty Barr and not Patty O'Keefe didn't do it, who was already on the roof, was he didn't have one of those personal harnesses, was not issued to him yet, I don't believe. So we were just in the process of everybody getting one. I had just gotten mine like two weeks before the hook that's braided into the end of the rope i just snapped it on me and went because i was wearing a harness that's why right, right. otherwise it would have been patio o'keefe and it went much faster to clip on than sure. tie another ball line on a on right a bite and went absolutely down. then i think ray showed up on the roof and he had a harness so i believe that's why he ended up the one lower than me
0: fantastic so he takes his turns does he have a substantial object?
1: I don't believe so, no. Yeah,
0: No, so, so they're doing basically you know, the same evolution. I believe the same, yeah. How did you feel about that going over the side? Were you confident? <laughs> Cap <it> was easy <laughs> for me. It already worked. Uh, it was easy for me to be confident. Patty yeah. Bar is the one
1: that uh, sure. showed
0: a lot of nerve. Sure. You know? And so down you go.
1: Down I go. I could see past him. And uh, heavy smoke looked like it was starting to come through that door near the top of it. So I was just concerned to not be hanging out too long if it vented out the window. Saw some video later, it looked like a picture. I had heat and smoke coming out, yet as the evolution went on, I think it was blown the other way most of the time, so it was fine. I had better control over the fella I picked up. His name was Peter Lewis, a nice gentleman. He listened to my directions because that room that I was getting him from was not as charged. So it was easier. Game directions, you know, arms around my neck, legs around my waist. So the second time it went really smooth.
0: Yeah, that key there where they get their legs around like your hip area, really above allows, your waist. Right, yeah. right, allows you to really hold on. Yes. A big part of when you get to a victim is you have to take control of the situation yes. and really dictate to them what to do because their mind is, you know, a million other places. They just yes. want off of that ledge. So you make the grab, you start the lower. You go down one floor? Yes. And then how were you pulled in? I see members taking glass. Was there a little bit of a tug-of-war there, like between one, one window or the other? Yeah, but, it Was uh, kind. Yeah. I
1: didn't know which one they were going to get, and yeah. I was just like, I don't really care. Just make it quick. Get me off this <laughs> rope, exactly. <laughs> they right, reached yeah, yeah,
0: out yeah. with a hook and grabbed the rope. In hindsight, as you watch that video, as well as I've watched it, and I see some of the glass sharp edges around a tension rope, That's another thing that would get you a little bit nervous.
1: Well, yeah. I saw that video, and it shows the glass coming right out past my rope. That's not what happened. That camera angle makes it look like glass almost cut the rope. That's not the case. I was on the same level as that window he was breaking. That glass went below my feet. Gotcha. It just looked... It looked worse than it was. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It wasn't that that bad.
0: Absolutely. All right, so now, really just amazing how it all went down. Well,
1: that roof rope rescue came off so well. I owe a lot of that to Michael Higgins. Michael was always super ambitious, drilled constantly, really tested you. When we couldn't go out to drill, we could drill in, uh, in the firehouse in quarters, do it blind, folded, do it this way, do it that way. So when you see something coming off well, And you say, well, that guy's really heads up, or he's thinking, no, I wasn't. I was shot. A lot of it was automatic pilot. A little improvising here or there, but that's the constantly drilling. Roof rope rescues are certainly not a common thing. So it's hard to stay sharp on something that you don't think you're going to have to do, and you just got to keep drilling.
0: Again, such an incredible operation. The names that associated yours included, Patty Brown, Patty O'Keefe, Kevin Del Delauld, Ray McCormick. Yeah, I mean, these are, these are legendary people yes. on our job as a whole. I do agree with you. Like you said, it's not something that once you got it, ah, we're good. In part, due to your actions and how it really can happen, especially in Manhattan, the members here are drilling on it all the time. Yeah. And as a side note, the job has gone to an evolved version of the Rufo evolution, and it's a a different system now. Yes. The KLSR, and it's going to be moving forward now through annual education day. So fantastic. So one of the lasting legacies of that operation, which really has nothing necessarily to do with the Rufo evolution, when members are working in Rescue 1, Mm -hmm. if you're going to wear a Mm T-shirt... It's got to say Rescue One on on it. Where does that come from, Kevin?
1: When I I first got here, you're on what's called an onion skin, right? You're on a detail. You're not assigned to the company. So some of the guys would, you know, bust your chops and say, well, you can't wear a Rescue One shirt. You haven't earned it yet. You're not really assigned. You could be back in 108 tomorrow. You're only a detail. I'm like, well, fine, brother. i wear my 108 shirt. Would you believe I was on the order like the next week? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> the power of a T-shirt. So,
1: brother, it wasn't my fault I didn't have a Rescue 1 shirt on.
0: That's a great story because, yeah. you know, simply it's, you know, something that we all know about yeah. in the company. Like it, if yeah. you're going to be performing an operation, it should say Rescue 1. So, you know, being in the middle of Times Square, I'm sure the, the members of Ladder 108, former oh, yeah. and current, they love it because that picture went worldwide i still
1: talk to my brothers in 108 and they
0: love it really fantastic stuff no it's it's incredible if people want to learn more about that incident it's one of the rescues featured in the fdny pro film the last resort so that was obviously one major job that you were involved with amongst many but the other one that does come to mind is uh in 1993 the truck bombing of the world trade center yes what are your recollections of that response?
1: The second time I was successful in spite of myself, a lot of changes were coming in. I got hurt in February
0: 93. That was probably just before bunker gear. Yeah, wasn't I, I wasn't kidding, in bunker right? gear. No yeah. no bunker gear yet. Right.
1: But uh, my coat never would have passed inspection. Uh, I had my old helmet, which fit on my head because it would custom made to your yeah, head.
0: Sure.
1: But your hair grows since proby school. You shake your head looking down. It might not stay on. Uh, I had all the worst stuff on. I looked like a bag of rags. So we had had a couple of jobs the night before. All of my stuff was soaking wet and it was cold out. And so what do you do? You grab my friend's stuff, get his stuff all soaking wet. And then now that's all soaking wet and still got to keep going. So (laughs) I joke about it. I go up to my locker where my coat from Proby School had been redone. It was like, hermetically sealed locker, and angels are singing when you open it up. Right. Well, I had all the right stuff on. I looked like a model for probie school. I had the right coat, I had the right helmet with the ratchet device on the back, sure. which I didn't want to wear. Everything was squared away, and that's what saved my life. So when we responded, we went into the Vista Hotel. Firewatch guy is running past us and yelling, there's people downstairs, and there was like a lot of panic. We were responding to a transformer fire, then later on it said transformer explosion. Well, I'd been a lineman before I was a fireman, so I knew, you know, what it was like. Uh, Familiar with Transformers. Big building, big Transformers. They'll be in a bank, but that's what's going to be a bank of Transformers in series. And so we went in, one level down, B1 level. It was just a light haze of smoke. We're searching an area. Gary Guidel was my partner. McAllister was my lieutenant. We're searching this this basement, like locker rooms and offices. And there was a very light haze of smoke, and it was, something was wrong. So we were splitting up searching, and it was me and Gary in one area. And I looked, and I saw a safe wide open with paper and cash all over the place. Nobody leaves a safe open. Anybody just kick us You know, stuff is coming through real quick like that. I, I can't say I was really thinking that well. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, something's wrong, you know? Like, who wouldn't kick the safe and spin the dial and run out, right? Right. Just as that's like something's wrong, I'm like, hey, Gary, did you see that? Jack McAllister starts yelling. I've got a guy, he says. I got a guy over here.
0: So he found a victim. He found
1: a victim, and we ran into a locker room, and the lockers were knocked over, and those lockers in a row are bolted to the floor. So some force knocked them over hard, yet the glass in the cubicles, nothing was broken. The mirrors in this locker room weren't shattered, no broken glass, and As we're going through now, the haze is a little bit darker. We're single file in an area, and I'm last in line. And Jack's yelling through a hole. I don't realize it, but some broken cinder block. He's yelling through a hole in the wall. I'm like, like it's not clicking. So we come back out. He says, find another way. I can't reach him. We about face and uh, go around a corner. Now I'm in the lead. Me and Gary and the other guys are stumbling through some stuff. So I come to a door. I open the door and it's banked down to the floor, lights out. And the smoke, everything matched, to me, a transformer fire. It ended up being, they told me, over 200 cars on fire underground. You know, your experience starts to teach you, and there's different bits of input, and you're trying to figure out what's going on. Well, I'd been experienced with transformers before I was a fireman. I'd been to, you know, plenty of transformer fires on the fire department. So the oil from the cars matching the petroleum product like all the transformers have cooling oil in them you know Mm -hmm. and the rubber tires rubber whatever the insulation on the cable it was an exact match for me sure as i opened this door and i went out into the hallway i thought i had no change in floor i didn't have a drop down like a, a, a curb or a step i was on a polished concrete floor i said earlier it was tile this area was not tile it was a finished concrete floor yep. in that office because i left the tile of the locker room and i open the door and i stick my head into the smoke and i yell you know fire department anybody there whatever and i hear help help from the other side like oh dang I said, gary we got the guy you know so um we had to put our face pieces on and i uh, start to go out into the hallway And there's no change. I didn't go from carpet to tile, tile to concrete. It was just the same polished floor. There was no drop down. Well, I think I'm in a hallway. I'm on a ramp of the parking garage. We don't know it. Can't see anything. Going down the parking garage. So trying to move quick. Gary has the wall on his right. I've got Gary on my right to try and make it wider. And we're moving. We're yelling, you know, we're coming, we're coming. So now we're starting to see some orange in the black through the smoke. You know... You there? You there? And he's like, yeah, 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 help, help, help. So I'm like, yeah, we'll be right there. And I turned to Gary. I'm like, I don't think we can reach the guy. (laughs) I need a hose line. You know, I'm going to need a line. And just as Gary and I are talking real quick about that, the floor that we're standing on, cantilevers down, Gary and I had gone up close to the edge. I didn't realize there was an edge. The panel broke of concrete and hung on rebar. When the concrete cantilevered into the hole, we both start to slide down this ramp. Gary got a piece going across that could stop him. I got two pieces got like it, facing away. Up, right. I grabbed them and it ended up flipping my body into the hole, but I could still hold for a moment. Gary tried to grab my shoulder, but uh, luckily he missed the um, Scott strap because uh, Gary's very strong yep, and Gary wouldn't have let go. Yep. I'm skinny, but with my gear on, I'm still well over 200 pounds. You can't hold a man like that with one hand. So we would have both fallen. Gary grabbed a handful of my coat and couldn't hold it, the old rubber coat, pulled out. And then Gary just starts yelling, when you hit the ground, run, when you hit the ground, run. And I'm like, I know, I know. Because Gary and I both thought I was falling into a transformer pit with fire. Right. So Gary and I both thought I'm falling one story. going to land in the pit. I don't know my old hazmat stuff, but doesn't the pit have to hold one and a half times the content? So I can get out of that. So as soon as I hit, I'm not going to burn to death. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to run. So I'm bending my legs, getting ready to hit. And All of a sudden, I can't hold anymore. It's like holding two pencils in your gloves. I start to fall. And uh, for a second, I see that orange go right past me. So what happened was I fell four and a half stories, not one story. Incredible. And the orange that we saw were car fires suspended at different levels in the rebar and busted concrete. So um, I fell, hit a piece of concrete on an angle, you know. Like a ramp and uh broke my right ankle, broke my left knee, put a bar through my leg, fractured my skull, broke my nose, knocked some teeth out, and did some internal stuff. But it was the gear saved my life. And the guy's like, Well, that's nice that you think that maybe you're exaggerating or you think that's what happened. I'm like, no, brother. I fractured my skull with my helmet on. My old helmet never would have taken that ride down. The hole wouldn't have, would been, a, have been gone. Nah, I would have busted my head like an eggshell. Then when I fell back, I was pinned until I freed my leg. But I thought, you know, because I busted my head, I still think it's a transformer fire. Remember back in the day, the kids had like different metallic rims, and there was uh, car parts made out of different alloys that would burn. Sure. Well, something when these cars is burning on and off, white hot. I think the transformers arcing. I still think. I don't know. Now I'm out of the game, but I didn't know. I had two cents of fire, but it's coming towards me. It's flowing towards me. And the cars were letting go of their gas tanks. I got some minor, you know, like second or spot, of third degree burn on my back. It was nothing. And I crawled away from it. If I had had my old coat on, I would have been burned. I would have been burned badly. So in spite of myself, the right helmet and the right coat. And uh, without the helmet, I'd be dead. And with the wrong coat, I would have been burned badly. And I wasn't. So... I survived because of the stronger bosses than me did the right thing and made me wear my stuff.
0: Well, I didn't come on the job that the EU came on, but when I came on, we weren't wearing bunker gear either. No. And so, uh, you know, I did fight fires with, with that gear, yes. as you're talking about. But what I've come to learn since getting bunker gears, I would never want to fight a fire now without it. The other thing I I learned years ago was uh, a guy, Richie Smith, he was washing his coat years ago in 103 truck, and I go, why are you washing your coat? And he goes, well, when a clean coat protects you better, yeah. In case of flashover. Yeah, I didn't need to hear it ever again. Yeah. I always yeah. kept my stuff relatively clean. Yeah, But incredible that you had the right gear on, and that, and you know it saved yeah. your life. So that's a, a great lesson for everyone to understand. Tell me, so now you're laying there, did you give a May Day? Well,
1: yeah, of uh, course, the only May Day I gave my life, which nobody ever wants to do. And that's got to be the May Day from hell for poor Jack McAllister. R- Rescue One, irons. I fell. I don't know where I am. Both my legs are broken, and I got fire all around me coming towards me. What? It's it like what? Doesn't get any worse yeah, than that. I wish. Yeah, right. you know. who who came to get you? A bunch of guys came simultaneously. Some of the guys from Rescue One. They tried to get a portable ladder down where I'd fallen, and they almost bent the straight ladder trying to get it around the stairway. Then when they got it around the stairway, they took a personal rope and uh, lowered it into the hole. And from the end of the 40-foot personal rope and the ladder swinging in the breeze, you know, wherever they had tied it a 24-foot. It wasn't touching the ground where it was. So they're like, well, we can't do that. Can't do a rope evolution because can't see me. It's pitch black. I tell you, you know, on the radio, I got fire all around me. I don't know where I am. So Jack's looking down the hole. He says, I got pitch black coming up, heat coming up, fire coming up and the rebar from the concrete's going out like fingers on a rake. So if you did lower a guy, you couldn't bring him back up. There's no right. way. Right. They tried to find another way around, and then the guys kind of came in simultaneously. The first guy to get to me was John Fox. John was in Brooklyn when I fell, the squad. Squad one. Because I fell real early in the evolution. When I first fell, I could see horizontally, but I couldn't see vertically more than eight feet because the smoke wasn't lifting, it was just banked right there. But uh, as they started to rip all the doors off the parking garage and they made vent, however they did it all around the building, the smoke started to lighten up, and then they could see where I was. Plus, hand lines were already operating out, say, putting on of fire. fire as from well. different floors. I didn't know they could hear me, and I'm giving, you know, reports.
0: You're talking on the radio the yeah, whole time. Yeah, I'm
1: to the left of that fire, I'm to the right of that fire, and you move that line to the left, to the right, and the line would move. Now, I couldn't hear them, but they could hear me. And they put out a lot of fire then john was able to be lowered down because now they could see that it was clear right underneath so john fox reached me first
0: via rope
1: by rope then, did they uh, do like a
0: roof up evolution and just lower him down well, one way
1: uh, one way trip roof evolution all we had right. so he came down brought my helmet to me and uh, stayed with me then uh, it was almost simultaneous john first then jack ty then a couple of esu cops then more guys showed up
0: did they package you yeah. stokes and get you out they
1: put me in a stokes And uh, they were passing me through places that my nose was scratching on the concrete and the back of the stokes was on the other concrete through crevices like that.
0: Incredible. Yeah,
1: it was uh, hard, yep.
0: Really amazing to hear your account of that. I've heard you talk about it before, but, you know, not in this detail. You know, to get me
1: out was tremendous. They, you know, so many worked so hard.
0: And even to that moment, still did not understand being a terrorist event, still thought it was possibly a transformer-type explosion.
1: No, I was a guy joking with me in the uh, X-ray room. He's like, uh, I got good news and bad news for you. This is the X-ray tech. He was funny. I'm like, well... What's the What's the bad news? He's like your knees busted, your legs busted, this broke What's the good news? Oh you're still alive. I <laughs> was like, thanks. And then he told me it was a bombing. I'm like, what? He said, it was a bombing. I said, what bombing? I didn't even know I fell all that far. I just I fell into a Transformer Pit. Fractured skull, your brain scrambled. You're not thinking completely straight. You trying to put it all together, and I didn't know what was going on until maybe two days
0: later, because then I had surgery and... How long did you spend in the hospital?
1: Not that long, only a little over a week. Uh, and then they actually sent me home with a nurse.
0: How long were you convalescing until you felt like you were getting somewhat back to normal? Was it oh, like that was a miserable years? time.
1: Yeah. Year and a half on medical leave. I had a couple of surgeries during that period. Uh, and then I got back to light duty for six months after a year and a half. Then I had another surgery and I was back on medical leave for another six months. Mm. And then I uh, came back to SOC yeah
0: very harrowing experience and, and all i can say is you look great kev oh, thank you brother you really do you really do <laughs> and i'm glad you're with us and i'm glad it all it worked out thank you for sharing with us thank you for coming back to rescue one's quarters just always know this will always be home for you
1: long break was good for my head but uh as long as you don't overstay your welcome which i promise not to do cap i'll hit the bricks now and uh it is good to come back once in a while and say hello.
0: And we're better for it. So Kevin, yeah. honestly, I really thank you for coming back. And thank you, all, Cap. You're always welcome here, and thank you for sharing with us. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Cap. Welcome. Thank you for listening to this edition of the FDNY Pro Podcast. For more training and information from our department subject matter experts, go to fdnypro.org.